Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. Continuing our study in the book of Philippians, Pastor Joel Woodard is preaching on Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11, with the message, Finding Joy in Knowing Christ. I was even encouraged this week. You know, sometimes I don't feel like, uh, well, not sometimes. Most of the time I don't feel like that I'm worthy to be up here to do this. And um, there was... Uh, just one article that I read this week that says, uh, if God has you in that position, you are God's man for the thing, and whatever you have to give, you need to bring it. Uh, and so that's what I'm going to do this morning. Um, I just, I just want to bring what I have, uh, and hopefully the Lord will use it um, in you. We, we're in a series in Philippians. If you have your Bibles, you can open to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, I want to begin by just reading one, one verse. Philippians 3, we'll read verse 8. Philippians 3.8 says this, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing King Jesus. My Lord, the owner of everything, King Jesus, knowing Him, uh, everything else is a loss. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your word, that you inspired men to write so long ago by your spirit that are valuable for us, that instruct and teach, that challenge, that convict, that bring us to repentance and heal us and comfort us. So Lord, I pray that you would use your word this morning to change us to draw us closer to you, Lord, that we would know you. So Lord, the only way that can really happen is by your spirit opening our eyes that so we can see, opening our ears, so we can hear from you, and Lord, changing our hearts and softening them so that we would love you and know you more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Here's Paul sitting chained in prison not knowing if he was going to live or die, writing this letter to the Philippian Christians and saying, I, everything, I have nothing left, but I'd give up everything to know Jesus. That's a bold statement. Before we consider the, the text, though, I'd like to illustrate this, this message uh, by sharing with you uh, a little bit of my love story. So just hang in there. Uh, Amy and I, we met on a missions trip in the Czech Republic uh, a long time ago. Uh, I was like 19 uh, at the time. Uh, we, we got over there and did a couple weeks of ministry together, and people were, were talking and ribbing uh, both of us, but I, I just thought it was me. I thought guys were kind of teasing me, uh, asking me, hey, Joel, where's your wife at? Ha, 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 ha. 
But what you needed to know is Amy was two years older than me, and so when you're 19 and she's two years older, that's like way older uh, than you. <laughs> and that made it sound worse than it is, like... <laughs> and she was like out of my... So she's older than me and she's out of my leagues. That's what I'm trying to say. So I'm like, it's different. It's different when we get older. But at 19, you're like, boy, older woman, out of my league. I'm like, I just, I just wanted to... All these people were just teasing me. I just chalked it up to like guys being guys teasing me. So we ended up, uh, the last night of camp, there was a, a bonfire, and all the kids came out uh, and set up this bonfire, and we just kind of hang out and we're talking to different people until the end of the night, uh, and some, somehow, uh, I ended up sitting by Amy at this bonfire. And, uh, you know, probably butterflies in my stomach, if I remember right, and I just... And guys, um, this is I'm mainly speaking to guys here. I just wanted to ask her if she liked me, just to hear, no, I don't, so I could get it out of my head. Like, <laughs> so I didn't, it wasn't like any, I didn't think any of that. So I'm talking, and I'm like, yeah, people have been teasing me, uh, and, and like, we've been talking about us. And so I got up the courage to ask, so would you be interested in me at all? To which she replied, uh, are, you, are you interested in me at all? And she, she replied, no, not really. <laughs> which... Which is what I expected to hear. So I was like, oh, great. I've asked, answered, done. I can put that out of my brain. And, but then she keeps talking to me. And she goes, so what would a relationship look like? If you were going to be in Chicago and she was out here in Troutdale, what, what would a relationship look like? And I was like, what is, she's just teasing me now? Like everyone? <laughs> and so uh, I got up the courage a little bit later to ask her again, are, are, you sh are you sure you're not interested at all? And she's like, are you kidding? I thought it was obvious. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what I said, but I'm thinking, uh, so a young man, anything uh, like that's not obvious is young ladies. Uh, so I didn't know, I didn't know any of that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, but then she came back here to Troutdale and I was in Chicago. So what did a relationship look like? Um, uh, she wanted to get to know me and I wanted to know, I wanted to know her. Uh, and so at that time, we had the dial-up internet, so we emailed uh, every now and then. We wrote letters on pen and paper uh, to each other. We talked on the phone. I don't know how many times, but often on the phone. And, you know, every time I talked to Amy, it wasn't like uh, I read the letter and then put it down and go, great, I'm, I'm good now. That's enough. It, and it didn't satisfy uh, because I'd, I'd read a letter or talk to her, and, and something in me sparks and goes, ah. Just want to be. I want to be with her. I want to get to know her even more. Um, so I ended up dropping out of seminary uh, in Chicago and moving uh, out here. I drove from Chicago in December uh, to Oregon. Uh, there was feet of snow on the ground. Worst time to drive uh, ever. So if you're thinking, "Oh, I'm drive from Chicago to Oregon." in December, don't do it, because this is a bad idea. But I didn't care. That, none, of the, none of the obstacles or the difficulties set me back at all, because I was on a mission. I wanted to uh, pursue my bride. I wanted to get to know Amy. Uh, so I drove all the way from Chicago, made it all the way to Wyoming uh, in one day. And there was, it was snowing so bad. It was the middle of the night, and snowing so bad, they ended up shutting the highway down. But I didn't want to stop. So until finally, at one of the exits, a police car was there and said, everyone has to get off. And so I finally got off uh, the highway. Here I am, this college student with no money, uh, off the highway. Now i got to stay in a, in a hotel. Uh, and the hotel that was, the only hotel that was there must have been like a five-star hotel. In Wyoming, I don't know. But at least at 19 or 21, however old I was, this was like, 
the most, like the nicest hotel that I've ever stayed in. And so I was like, can I just sleep on your, like in your closet or what can I do? And they're like, no, we can't turn anyone away, so what can you give us? So I think I gave them like 40 bucks uh, to spend the night in this hotel. It was amazing hotel. Uh, the beds were so soft. They had a buffet breakfast uh, in the morning, uh, swimming pool, hot tub, everything you, you could want. And you know how much that mattered to me in that season of my life? Not, nothing, not at all. Uh, so I went to bed in the middle of the night and got up the next morning, and I gave Amy a call. Hey, I'm heading, I'm heading out now, uh, to which I hear she was excited, I was excited. Man, I just wanted to be with Amy. The, the, the phone call didn't like go, well, I'm actually going to stick around here for a while longer because 40 bucks a night is a pretty good deal. <laughs> and they got the hot tub and the buffet, and I, so I'm just going to hang out here. Uh, no, I talked, to, I talked to Amy, and I'm like, I'm out of here. I, I, I'm going. It, the phone conversation didn't satisfy. I, I wasn't uh, satisfied even in the most comfortable place I wanted to go. And so I drove all the way from uh, Wyoming in one whole other day and made it all the way uh, to Troutdale. And I pulled up on the 13th Street, I think it is, uh, to Amy's little tiny uh, house that she lived in. And I was in the same room with her. And I was like, oh, this, is what I've, this is what I've been after. Uh, the letters, the comfort, the discomfort, the challenges, I, all that didn't matter just being with Amy. Uh, nothing else mattered. Nothing else would satisfy like being with Amy. Now, in the same way, uh, Paul today in the letter is going to tell us that there is nothing that satisfies like knowing King Jesus. Nothing that Paul wouldn't stop for anything, heartaches, comfort, great success. He would, he'd put all that behind for one thing, to know King Jesus. So if we had a bonfire here today, and, and Paul was sitting there, and you happened to sit next to Paul, you might want to ask him, so what does a relationship look like with King Jesus, who we don't see face to face? With this desire, like, yeah, I want to know him, but how do I know him? How does that, what, does that even, what does that even look like to pursue knowing Jesus or having this desire in you to know Christ? Well, this comes back to our text today. In Philippians 3, we'll look at verses 1 through 11. As Paul, uh, he gives two commands in here of how, how to live this out and then an explanation. So we'll see two commands and some explanations uh, behind it. Here, here are the two commands that he tells us in this text. The first one is to rejoice in the Lord, and the second one is to look out for the dogs. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord and look out for the dogs. Or you could say, delight in Jesus and don't settle for less. Delight in Jesus and don't settle for anything less. So I'd like to read our text of Scripture, and if you wouldn't mind, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? We'll read verses 1 through uh, 11, chapter 3, Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, 
As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as, as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We'll stop right there. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You can go ahead and, and have a seat. Two commandments, del delight in the Lord and don't settle for less. Let, let's look at the first one, delighting in Jesus. He begins this section, uh, chapter 3, with the word finally, which might make you feel like, oh, he's coming to the end of his letter. But if you'll notice, four chapters and we're just starting chapter 3, it's right in the middle of his, his letter. So this word finally, a lot of commentators uh, uh, kind of give some background on it, but it's, but it's probably more like furthermore or, hey, I want to continue on the things I haven't told you yet. He's, he's continuing on his, his letter with this idea and this, and this theme of rejoicing in the Lord. If you've been around here at all, you, you realize that this theme is like every week, rejoice in the Lord. Paul, in this short four-chapter letter, uses the, the word and this idea of rejoicing in the Lord nine times. It's all over the place. And every time we see it, and we're, we'll get to it the next two weeks as well, to rejoice in the Lord. He can't leave this theme alone. He just keeps coming, he keeps coming back to it. And he's even saying, look, I'm going to say it again. And it's no problem for me because I just keep coming back to this again and again and again. And it's actually a safeguard for you. This message of rejoicing in the Lord, turning to Jesus. He's basically saying it's a simple message. The gospel is a simple message. The good news for you, that's a safeguard to you. Because so often we want to wander or pick up things or do things in our own effort. And he's like, this is a simple message and a safeguard for you. Just come back to Jesus. Come to Jesus, come to the foot of the cross, lay your burdens, your sin, your regret, your shame, all of it at the cross of Jesus. I don't mind saying that again and again and again because it, it brings joy to me. I can lay those things down. And it's a safeguard for you so that you don't get off the way. Come back again and again to the cross of Jesus because it's only in a relationship with Jesus that you'll find true joy. You may know of you may know about Jesus. Maybe you've, you've heard of him. You, you may know of Jesus. Someone else has told you something. But nothing will satisfy like knowing Jesus personally. It's like waking up in a hotel room in Wyoming, picking up the phone and talking to Amy in Oregon. And, and she tells me, I can't wait to see you. I, I want to I know you more. So I leave as quick as I can. I scarf down some food, throw my bags in the car, and I leave everything behind. The, the hot tub, the comfy bed, the buffet, none of that matters as I'm pursuing 
my love. Even the, the heartaches and, well, the, you know, the road was closed the night before wouldn't stop me. I would leave all that behind. Paul quickly interrupts this idea, though, knowing that it's not as easy as it, it sounds. There's a temptation all along the journey, all along life's way to settle for less. Sometimes it's too hard. Sometimes you don't know enough. Sometimes it's too comfortable or too nice, and we settle and so his second command is really this. Don't settle for less than rejoicing in the Lord. His second command, he poses like this, though. He says, look out for the dogs. And there's a lot packed into that little, little statement. Look out for the dogs. He's not like a, it's not just a random name calling. He's titling a group of people that he says, these people can rob you of your joy by being uh, satisfied in Jesus and rejoicing in him. These people will entice you to settle for something less. They'll entice you to, to stop pursuing. And he calls them dogs, which is very ironic. And he's flipping the whole thing upside down because the term dogs was actually used by the Jews uh, to reference the Gentiles, those dogs who who could eat the crumbs off the table maybe, but weren't good for nothing else. So when you think dogs, don't think of like Jack, our black lab at home that you want to cuddle and pet. These are wild, ugly, dirty dogs that you only want to hit with a stick and throw off. They're, 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 they're not good things. And these were the name that the Jews gave the Gentiles. And now, now Paul is flipping it upside down and using this as a title that he's naming a group of Jewish people. You, you dogs, you evildoers, you, your heart is far from the Lord. And then he calls them you mutilators of the flesh, which in the context there is, again, another one of those flipping them upside down. It's a, it's a play on words. He's using this idea of mutilator that sounds very similar to the word circumcision. And he's saying... Uh, you people who have been circumcised, but your heart is far from God, all you have really done is mutilated the flesh, and that's it. What you've done in this ritual actually has done nothing to your heart, and your relationship with the Lord is still far off. You, you don't get it. You've just mutilated the flesh. And in fact, the opposite is true. The, the true identity of the circumcised were, were those people who are worshipers of Jesus, who gloried in Christ Jesus. Israel had this identity, this proudness of we're the people of the circumcision, this sign of God has chosen us, and yet they were hearts were far from him. And he's saying, all you've done is mutilated the flesh. The true circumcision is worshipers of Jesus. See, life... Uh, Paul was on this journey to get to know Christ, and he knew that all along the way, uh, he was part of that group before, and they, they would always entice him to stop and to, to settle. It would be like if I was in Chicago and I get a letter from Amy and I read it, and then I put it away and go, great, now I'm satisfied. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to pursue her. I, I know about her. I, I've heard of her. I, I know some things about her. But actually, the food in Chicago, have anyone had Chicago pizza? It's, it's delicious. Uh, Chicago pizza, uh, the rainy weather. I don't, I don't really like the rainy weather, so I don't know if I want to move uh, to Oregon. 
But I read that letter, and it doesn't make me go, oh, I'm satisfied in Amy. I'd rather choose these other things. I read that letter, and something in me just fires up that I want to get to know her more. There's a desire to be close to her. So in a similar way, Paul, as he's journeying in this life to know the Lord, he lists like something like seven stops along his journey, uh, maybe seven hotels in Wyoming if you'd care to like picture them the same way, uh, the ways that could stop to entice you to settle for not really pursuing and knowing uh, Christ. I'm gonna, we're going to go through each one of these. I'm going to try and put it in today's uh, what, what would it be like for us and then put it in first person uh, for, for us. These seven stops that entice us to, to settle down and not pursue uh, the Lord. Uh, here's the first one. Paul says he was circumcised on the eighth day. You, you, might, you might say, you know, but I, I follow all the rituals. I, I do all the right things. I go to church every Sunday. I've checked all the right boxes. I've been baptized. I give money. Uh, I've followed all the rituals. I've even gone every Easter and Christmas. I'm doing all the right things. So why do I have to keep pursuing Jesus? Number two, of the people of Israel. Maybe you say, but I have a good name. I have a good heritage. My, my, my parents were believers. Uh, the place that I live is Christian nation. Uh, I should be fine with that, right? Don't you think uh, that's pretty much can, can satisfy me? Paul's like, nope, not that either. Number three, of the tribe of Benjamin. This is a very esteemed uh, tribe. And this is really like I, I've achieved a lot. Uh, I've, I've, I've made it there. I have rank. I have a prominent role. I have influence. Um, I'm, a, I'm a pastor, so shouldn't that count for something before the Lord? Uh, I, well, I've served before. I, I've held the title of deacon or elder or Sunday school teacher. It doesn't, shouldn't that satisfy? Don't you think that should be enough? Number four, a Hebrew of Hebrews. You might say, but I haven't wavered. I have been faithful. When fads come and go, I just remain the same all the time. I haven't changed because of culture. Surely that should be enough. Number five, as to the law, a Pharisee, you might think, but, but I know a lot. I've actually done a lot of read through the Bibles. I probably know more than, more, more than most people. I've actually read a lot of books as well. I have a lot of knowledge in my head. I, I know about Jesus just as much as probably anybody else. Surely that's enough. Number six, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. You might say, but I do a lot. Not only do I know a lot, but I do a lot. I've volunteered. I've fought crime in our neighborhood. I've helped puppies and old people across the street. Uh, I've, I kiss babies. I've done it all. I'm a, I've done a lot in my lifetime. Surely that should be enough. And number seven, the last one. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. And you might be here today thinking, but I'm a good person. Now, I'm, I'm better than those people out there in the world. I don't cuss or smoke or lie. I'm actually a good moral example. Isn't that enough? Well, Paul, he had been all those things. He could have settled for any one of those, but he presses on. In Philippians 2.7, he says this, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. 
He says, I leave behind my reputation, my traditions, the good works, my effort, my knowledge, my activities, my safety, my comfort, everything to journey to know Christ, to pursue Jesus. Continue on. In verse 8, he says, indeed, indeed. Now, if you have a pen and you mark in your Bibles, behind that indeed, put like six exclamation points. Because that's actually... It's kind of a shallow translation of like a whole string of Greek words that they put there that half of them are emphatic. He's like, hey, listen, write this down. You got to pay attention. Like all that, and we say indeed, which is not quite the same. So indeed, he's making the point here. He's saying, look, I'm building to this thing. You got to listen to this. You got to see it. Pay attention. We're halfway through the letter. Now now wake up and hear this. Indeed. He says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them all as rubbish. And this is really like, this is almost a swear word. It's like dog poop. I count it all like compared to knowing Jesus, everything else is like Garbage, just whatever. You get it. (laughs) Bad, bad stuff. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, I couldn't do it. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Do you hear Paul's desire? I want to know him. My whole life I'm pressing on to know Christ. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Knowing. And this again is where our English fails us. So I want to bring in a little bit of uh, um, kind of... uh, I want to expand the idea of to know. Um, because in English, we have to know, and it uses for like everything. If you, if you speak another language or you've been exposed to other languages, you might realize that the verb to know has lots of actually different verbs and different words in different languages other than English. So English, we, we translate that sometimes by using words that kind of uh, complement or, or describe it a little bit. Let me, let me just show you three of, three of them. There's the first one is to know of someone. You can know, oh, I know of them. Uh, And maybe that's you've heard them. You've heard someone talk about them before. Uh, You have this idea maybe of who uh, they are. I know of them. Uh, maybe you, they'd pass you right in Fred Meyer and you wouldn't, you wouldn't even like recognize them because you, you know of them, but you don't, you don't, see, this is where English fails. You don't know, you know of them, but you don't, there's a whole thing you're missing. Uh, so that's the first, to know of something. The second one is to know about someone. Uh, and this is like, oh, I know about them. Uh, you recognize them. Uh, you know facts or information about them. You know maybe how they look on the outside. Oh, yeah, I know about them. Uh, there's a little bit familiar uh, with it, but there's still something uh, missing. Uh, there's a third, uh, and, and again, in most languages, it's a whole different word, and it has a whole different feeling. But there's to know someone personally, intimately, closely. In Hebrew, we have this, uh, this idea that and he knew his wife and she became pregnant. 
That didn't mean I know her birthday is that month. That's not how that works. He knew, he knew his wife. There was something close and, and relational and intimate. There's something that he knew her heart. He knew her spirit. She knew how she would feel and respond. Not just information, but there's something like the core. I, I know my wife. Well, you can't know someone without actually being near them, sitting with them for long times so that you see facial expressions and you, you see mannerisms and you know how they would respond and how they're feeling in a certain situation. Well, this third knowing to know someone personally, intimately, that's the, that's the knowing that Paul will consider all else as loss. To know Christ personally, relationally, intimately, to be with Christ. He'd leave everything else behind to pursue that relationship. Because he knows the only way to find joy is to know Jesus. Everything else will drive you to despair and depression in the end. It's only when you come to Jesus day after day that you'll be satisfied and you'll find peace and joy at his feet. That knowing about him won't satisfy. Knowing of him, hearing about him won't satisfy. It's only in this personal, intimate knowledge of Jesus. But you can't know someone with your heart unless you know them with your mind. Because it's only, it's only Jesus. You need to know who he is so that you can have a relationship with him. And it's only him who can forgive and set you free. Um, I want to kind of uh, close all this out actually by... Um, sharing with you, I don't normally do this, a sermon. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to take, I'm, borrow, I'm just going to tell you, I'm copywriting a sermon that I heard that I can't get out of my head uh, by a guy named Alistair Begg, um, who, as I'm preaching this like message, getting ready for it, his sermon that I listened to a, a while ago, I couldn't get it, I just couldn't get it out of my head. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to copyright it and here you go, but it's Alistair Begg's, so just so you know. I'm copywriting, it's Alistair, Alistair Begg's. Uh, and I'll, maybe I'll link it because it's a sermon. I'm like, if you're going to listen to one sermon this week, listen to Alistair Begg's sermon. It's so good. Uh, he's, this is what he said, basically the summary of it. He says, without preaching the cross, in his Scottish accent. I don't know if you know Alistair Begg. It's got a Scottish accent and it's powerful. He said, without preaching the cross to ourselves and each other every day, we naturally turn to faith plus works as grounds for our salvation. And he says that's what leads to despair and desperation and, and sadness because we'll never measure up. It's only in knowing Jesus. And, and then he gave this great illustration. He says, imagine the thief on the cross. He says, oh, I, would have, I'm gonna, I can't wait to find him in glory and ask him, how did that shake out for you? How did that work for you? And only as Alistair Begg could, he says, here he is on the cross cussing Jesus, full of his like sin and evilness, but something happens and he repents. And he sees Jesus, and Jesus goes, today you will be with me in paradise. And then he paints this picture of like, oh, then the thief on the cross, he dies and enters into, into paradise, and, and there at the gate is this angel who... who uh, sees him coming and says, oh, okay, now, now how did you uh, come to be here? 
And the thief on the cross goes, I don't know. And the angel goes, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> That's my little accent. What do you mean you don't know? <laughs> he says, well, I don't know. <laughs> I was on the cross. <laughs> Next to Jesus, he said, okay, well, are, are, you, are you settled on the doctrine of atonement? And the guy's like, never heard of it. What, what, what about Bible studies? Have you been to your Bible studies? Have you done communion? Have you been baptized? And he's like, no, I haven't done any of it. So I'm totally getting into it now. <laughs> totally getting into it. And the angel gets frustrated, and so he calls his superior angel to come, because he's like, I don't know, what do I do with this guy? And so the superior angel looks, and he's like, okay, um, and so, on what basis are you here? How are you here? And the guy, the thief on the cross, he goes, I don't know. The man on the middle cross told me I could come. That's it. How did you get here? The man on the middle of the, the cross, he said I could come. Can you imagine that thief as he enters into paradise? What's he want to do? The first thing, if that was me, the first thing I'd want to do is, where's Jesus? Where's the guy that out of my whole life I screwed up? And he says, come on in. I got you. Can you, can you imagine the thief on the cross? He's got nothing Literally nothing. And Jesus says, come with me into paradise. It's all along. You think that guy and the thief on the cross, as he's in paradise, he goes, I know him. I know him. I know him. I know him. That's, that's all he knows is he knows Jesus. He wants to be with Jesus. He's not settled with like, oh, yeah, I know about Jesus or I've heard of him, he knows Jesus. And I'm confident that that's how Paul felt sitting in that jail. He could care less about all that other stuff. And he goes, I know him. I know Christ. I know him. And that's all that matters. So that kind of brings it to us today. It's the question, do you know him? Not, not do you know about him, like you've read the Bible or you heard about him from someone else before. Do you know him? And what's this look like if you do know him and our desire in life is, is to pursue him with everything like Paul says? Do you give up everything to know Christ? That's, I wrestled with that this week. How do I know Christ when I don't see him, when he doesn't sit down next to me like Amy does? How do I know Christ? And I think it's a pursuit of it. I think it's taking time in the quietness. I think it's this morning when I woke up and was like, all right, Christ, all right, Jesus, I'm going to follow you today. Would you be there for me? Would you, would you speak to me? Would you, uh, would you talk to me today? Would you allow me just to see you at work so I, can, so I could know you today? Uh, his word reveals who he is, but I think his word is like a letter that should drive us to know him. It's the quiet moments of the journey. And I, I think it's also in response in worship that we just sit at his feet and our heart cries out, we want to know you. More than anything else, we want to know you. So let me pray and I'll invite the worship team to come back up and we'll do that. Lord, as we... 
uh, spend some time in the mind and the heart of Paul this morning and his greatest desire is to not settle to know you. Lord, will we be people that imitate Paul as he'll even charge us with, uh, that we wouldn't stop, that we wouldn't uh, figure, oh, we've obtained it, but that we would press on to know you, that we would leave everything else behind. Lord, I think that looks like even this next week as we think through our schedules, as we uh, pick up our phones to check messages or to check the news, that we would spend uh, the first bit of time hearing from you and then, and then having our heart drawn to you to get to know you, to spend time with you, to think about you, to pray, to just sit in, in prayer at your feet, having our hearts drawn to yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.